Hello and welcome to Rungo Matrix International, episode 215. I'm your host, Jero Sin. This is Ben Kimber. Hello, mate. G'day, old mate. Nice to see you and again. over our shoulder there is Mark Kabanabar, Pinky, Cash Cow Cashman. G'day, Hi Cash guys, Cow. Good to be back, mate. Good to be back in the saddle. Yeah, great to see you, mate. And uh, look, it's been a long, long time. I'm absolutely sorry, but we've been absolutely flat out. Uh, we're in the midst of redoing the studio. And uh, thanks to our help, you can't see him right off screen, is the intern over there, Brad Cook, doing a great job. We're streaming this live on Ustream, and it's going to happen every week when we get started. So make sure you check that link out before we go. So you can add comments there or tweet us or whatever else for questions. I don't expect too many tonight because I've just started, but we will uh, over the coming weeks. So um, this is the format. Me, Ben, or me and Casho here and then our talent over the shoulder so we can get to the guys that make the difference in the game. So that's what we're looking forward to. All right, gentlemen, we're coming uh, to you, uh, I guess, after an interesting uh, winter uh, in Australia. Well, it's not quite over yet, but Australia uh, going down 3-0 to England, quite embarrassing. But at the weekend, Ben, uh, we lost, uh, I think, all up. Uh, the difference was 140 points. Australian teams in deficit to New Zealand sides. Is there a massive gulf between Australia and New Zealand ahead of the Bledisloe Cup? Well, you can't say anything, but absolutely. <laughs> uh, 203 to 63, I think the points added up to we were talking about prior to the broadcast, and what an embarrassment. I mean, any, any rumour that Rugger Matrix has been offline because Cash Cow's been hiding under his wallabies coloured doona uh, in shame <laughs> after the England series followed by the, the weekend, uh, you know, is yet to be verified. But really, um, you know, it, it starts to shape now that you feel like we've overachieved at the World Cup. England brought us back to earth. And then while we were down on the ground, we caught a couple of kicks in the guts uh, as well with the New Zealand sides just schooling us, absolutely schooling us. And none of the games really looked like we were a, a solid chance in. Even the Waratahs with plenty of ball, etc., just couldn't crack those canes. Yeah, no. Um, Kasha, you were at the game of the weekend as well. Um, your thoughts about it. What was the atmosphere like, by the way? Atmosphere is pretty good. A touch over 20,000 were there, so it was good. Uh, obviously, a lot of Canes fans there, and uh, they uh, they were really put on a show by the uh, by the visiting side. The Waratahs were in it at certain stages, but uh, just couldn't uh, couldn't convert the points at uh, different times. But uh, all throughout that weekend, as we know, 203 to 63 points, New Zealand versus Australia, and I think it comes down to skills again. I've spoken to this constantly. I, I, I think uh, it, it's it's nothing about the way the Super Rugby uh, franchises are structured. It's all about the coaching when they're kids, and I think the New Zealanders just get it drummed into them from uh, from uh, from the bassinet, you know, right 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 through to when they uh, when they pull on that all all black jersey. Skills, skills, skills. But surely that's, that's always again. been the case, Casho. I mean, that's like that's not new. That's like the last couple of years where that's come. Up. We've we've always felt like we've punched above our weight a little bit because of that. But they've always seemed to have that advantage of, of skills and people coming through. But That's why because we used our now? brains, Ben. We, we stopped using our brains um, post, say, World Cup 03. Is that when you left the Wallaby That's setup? when I left, coincidentally. <laughs> I, I, I took you and Mackenzie down to the Waratah. So um, I think that's the case, Cash Cow. We've stopped using our brains. We're not playing like we used to. Well, you've, you've got to be intelligent to use the skills at the right time. And, that, you know, that's... Yeah, that's Casho just freezing up. 
uh, for us over the shoulder. A bit like the Wallabies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just uh, just crapping out. Yeah, big just falls on this side of the Tasman, uh, uh, as, as there are in New Zealand, ex- except we're just not using the skills under pressure. And uh, ex- you know, the, uh, the, the the players talk about execution, and that's uh, that's what it's all about: getting it done under pressure. We're not doing it at the moment. We're not. So let's go back to the England series and uh, something that we were salivating about, uh, Ben and uh, Cash Cow, because of the uh, two coaches going head-to-head. And Eddie was always on the front foot, and um, aggressively so. He'd had a successful um, uh, Six Nations campaign. Uh, He came to Australia with really nothing to lose, and he gave it to Australia tactically. I thought Australia was so tactically poor it goes down to one of the greatest tactical blunders I've ever seen from an Australian team. Well, this, this is it now. It looks like, you know, the, the big test for Michael Checker is, is he more than just a passionate coach? You know, he clearly knows how to drive players and get a team up for games. No doubt, yeah. But they, in, this, in this series, uh, he was absolutely taken to school by the looks of it. Eddie Jones played the game they needed to play to get there, and even though Australia was so close, they were still so far away. 75% of possession, things like that. If you've got that kind of ball against any team in any conditions, you've got to be winning that game quite comfortably. And the Australians could not make the most of their chances. And they did look a little bit bewildered out there. They didn't look like they'd been prepared to play England. A lot of the talk that you hear out of this Wallaby side over the last year or so has been about the fact that they like to say, we'll play our game, we won't worry about the opposition. Well, that's what seemed to happen. They tried to play their game. The opposition had a better plan of how to attack the Wallabies and how to play against the Wallabies, and they got done. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in the game of, of, of any game because you can't play how you want to play because the opposition's there to stop you from doing that. So you have to tailor your game plan for the opposition. It's one of those um, pithy little statements. We've seen a lot of those, like stop talking crap. We got absolutely outskilled. This England team isn't the greatest uh, skillful side we've ever seen, but they played the game within their strengths. One of the great things, Casho, about Eddie Jones is he knows the limitations of his players. And when I've sat in those rooms, he knows what players can do. So the England team have a certain skill level. Australia has a great skill level, probably much higher. Um, we're missing a few of our really talented players. But England played to that skill level, that skill set, and played you know um, within the parameters. But they played well. And that's what a great coach can do. And Eddie Jones, I saw moments of great uh, flair in that England team, but it was tempered always when they came back to the moves, the patterns that they need to come up with. I thought it was brilliant coaching um, from one of the best in the game. Yeah, yeah, Bronk, the uh, the nuances of the coaching was one of the fascinating things about the, the three tests. You, you, you could see the, the the way that the England side were working the uh, the uh, the Australian attack with their defence. You know, it was early rush up, uh, early their uh, their sort of style of defence. They slowed it down at different stages. They uh, that you know they used drift defence at different stages, the up and ends, and all that sort of stuff. I know I'm getting very technical with this, but it was one of the highlights of uh, particularly those last two games and uh, the physicality was there, and that that in the end is what uh, is what wins test matches. And, you know, they, they had muscleless, really, particularly in, in that last test in Sydney. You know, their, their big guys were better than our big guys, and that's uh, that's what won the game. It, uh, it gave guys like Nick Phipps, Bernard Foley, Israel Folau uh, not enough room to move. I think you you, you said that they out-muscled us, uh, uh, Cash Owen. You're absolutely right. And I, I think that in there, it's, it's interesting to think about the psyche of Michael Checker, you know. It was always a very, he wasn't a massive guy, but he was always very physical. He played above his weight. 
Um, probably, you know, to some extent you might say he played above his ability, didn't quite get the chances at the national level, etc. But we talked previously, um, uh, back in the World Cup uh, episodes of Rugger Matrix, we talked a lot about Michael Checker and the, what he brings to the team. We talked about him throwing Israel Folau into the game when he knew Israel Folau was, was probably not 100%. And, he, and, he, and, and against England, he'd throw in a Sean McMahon. I think being a coach who from externally appears to be much more about passion than tactics, you'll see him pick these guys and want to back them because he'll put his faith in players. Now, Eddie Jones might put his faith in players, but he just seems smarter in really understanding what their weaknesses or strengths might be, not taking a gamble on a player, hooking a guy in the 25th minute because he's not getting the result he needs, whereas you think Checker might be the coach who goes, sends out a message and says, pull your finger out, mate, get moving. Eddie Jones, I think, would be a bit smarter around that man management if he might not bring that level of passion that Checker might. Well, he's a great coach, <laughs> Checker, but uh, if you talk to a lot of senior players, and I have over the years, about what he brings, and it's totally that what you're talking about. He is a great motivator uh, coach. I don't know if he's not the same motivator as Alan Jones, but uh, he certainly was the master motivator, Alan Jones. But Checker fires you up. Tactically, though, that's a different story. And I think Eddie Jones brings all that stuff together. He does have a really big speech he gives to the players before they run out. And um, I've seen that too, and it's a really important one. But it's always about getting the guys revved up. He then tempers that with the tactics. And that's the key thing. I think at this level, you, you, you're going to be passionate enough to play for your country or your state. And uh, it is the um, ability to execute that plan under pressure. That's the key thing. So we can want to, you know, Ben Kimber and Juro send Mark Cashman and Brad Cook want to play the game how we want to play it. But if you're playing as a team that uh, it's pretty smart as well in yeah. trying to negate you, you've got to come up with a way to then counteract that. So it's a chess game. We make the move, they come back at us, vice versa. Eddie Jones wants to coach a game. I know this for a fact. 80 minutes, one minute through the 80th minute. He wants to coach the whole thing. Can't do that, but um, that is his goal. So he has all these uh, set plays put in the place. And there was a wonderful, I think for the last try for England against Australia in the third test, and the frustrating thing to me about that third test is that it was a loose game. And Australia still lost it. You know, if, if a game was going to be lose, don't you guys agree? Yeah. We, not we, Australia should have won the test. Well, it didn't happen that way. And that last try for the last two minutes leading into it had a variation of taking advantage of um, fortuitous bounces, um, then clinical phase play back up with another lucky bounce and over you, you go for the try. It had everything in it. So England can play the various aspects of the game of rugby, but it's because they train for it and they execute it well. And Eddie Jones know what, knows what they're capable of. Do you think it's... An, ob an observation, guys, on, uh, on, on all that. Let's just consider how long Eddie's had in the international game. Virtually since, uh, since 2001 at test level. Check how long's he been there. Probably 18 months. I think he's been a pretty fast learner, and I think if he, he had had that time in the saddle under his belt, I, I, I think the, uh, the whitewash would have been the other way. Eddie just used the experience, and it's vital in international Well, you're talking football. about a five-year plan, Casha. <laughs> hey? Well, well listen, he's, 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 attained, he's uh, you know, kicked some goals there in the first 18 months, and uh, you know, this, is, this, is a, this is a bit of a learning experience, a bit of a, 
bit, bit, bit of a hiccup along the way. A hiccup, bit of a speed mate. Up, it's the first time we've been whitewashed by England in a series like that. Mate, I don't think the ARU are paying Checker for a learning experience either, mate. Yeah. They've picked him to be the Wallabies coach, and that's that's one of the really interesting um, uh, pieces that come out of that. Yeah. What about the pressure that Michael Checker is on going into the Rugby Championship, the Bledisloe Cups <laughs> now, after being the World Cup hero? I'm sure he turned the screws on his contract to get himself re-signed at a price that he wanted and get where he yeah. wanted to be. But all of a sudden now, three zip down, New Zealand looking a million, we get annihilated. We could be having a very different conversation. It was a weak ARU that needed something and needed checker and, to his credit, was the man for the job at the World Cup. But it's a long game now and he's got to be right in it. Yeah, but go back to the World Cup, one of the classic coaching decisions was to keep playing Israel Folau, who was not yeah. fit. Yeah. Israel didn't want to play. It was a really stupid decision to make. And uh, to me, that was a big factor in Australia failing in that uh, final. So let's not get... We, 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 we are too ready to accept a mediocre result. Not only that, that result was terrible against England. Absolutely pathetic. The players... You know, I'm not going to blame the players here. They played a, a game plan they were given um, and uh, they, they weren't good enough on the day. But there are other people responsible for selections and, and policies around that. So, you know, everyone's happy to praise the coach when they win. Well, they've got to give him a serve. I think Checker's a great guy, good bloke, get on with him well. But let's call it how we saw it. And I thought it was an abysmal effort um, to lose England 3-zip. Yeah, I mean, England England did come off a grand slam, but that was a weak Six Nations too. It was End a pretty season. poor Six Nations. Yeah. End, End of their season. season, coming down under. Um, it just it played out exactly to Eddie Jones's plan, and Checker looked powerless to change that. That was the that was the really most frustrating thing about it. That no matter what they tried, the Wallabies it just did not click for them any way, shape, or form, and they looked beaten, well beaten by the finish. Perhaps boys a mistake in, uh, in in that he didn't get on the front foot uh, in the media and uh, taking on Eddie because he he, he seemed to be uh, he seemed to be have his head down and uh, and and not taking on all the barbs that Eddie, that Eddie no, was. I don't throwing. think so, okay. so it's, it's not it started it's, right from the word go. Yeah, no, it's not it's not Checker's style. And what is he going to talk to him about? Like go back to a game that was um, uh, I think from last year's World Cup, which is ancient history. They want to move on. So I don't think uh, it's Checker's style to engage in those sorts of games. It's Eddie's style, and we know that. But he absolutely used that to a T, and obviously would have used some sort of, like I said, you can't be motivated, you shouldn't be motivated to play for the England shirt or the Wallaby shirt uh, through um, this stuff that goes on on the side with press. But Eddie damn well used it when... Uh, you know, when there was a... Even Stephen Halls copped a serve when he tried to crack a few lewd jokes in the press conference after the test in Brisbane. So, Eddie was in fine They, they were out of line, though. They were. That was, <laughs> well, it was, poor Halsey, yeah. he was stitched up there. So, uh, Casho, I think... Um, so, I think, in in the end, the, the mind games was, was great for us in the media. It's always good to see Eddie have a go. And, you know, he, he pretty much was right on everything. He, could, he couldn't stop him. He loved it. No, no. Listen, he was uh, an irresistible force when he was here, and then. But what uh, could check us out? And, and, and well, that's uh, that. That you know, that's uh, it's it's probably not his style, and uh, it, exactly. You know, like he, he he just would have inflamed the situations. But uh, I, I I did notice on social media that uh, Eddie's still loved around the place here in the, in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Could you, he was up at Latham Park on the on the on the Tuesday night after the uh, after the whitewash, uh, having a right. having a sausage with uh, a few of the old Ramwick boys and uh, and uh, and 
when when I was up in Japan for the Tars Sunwolves, he was uh, he was bobbing up uh, left, right, and centre. So uh, listen, he he knows how to get the attention, and uh, listen, he's a very experienced coach. And uh, hats off to him. Listen, he's done a great job with England. Well, no one else has been able to do that in recent history, have they? No, I haven't. Yeah, he, he certainly seems like the right right man for the right team at the right time. Just on that experience, Casha, you mentioned it before, but do you think that um, do you think Checker might? be a little too much a part of the team sometimes. I mean, you were with Eddie some years back now. How do you think he might have changed as a coach now so he's got that right mix of authoritarian yet also that passion to drive it? Well, I think he, he does. He, I think he's a bit different because he, he uses this um, authority through his honesty. So he's got this, he can be pally, but he, he won't hold back and say, you're an idiot, you're not doing the job. But he that he has got that palliness about him. So there might be an element for him to step back. He also needs someone to challenge him at the Wallabies. He needs someone to challenge him on decisions. And the good coaches do that. Um, You know, Rod Rod was um, a great manager, but... Rod McQueen. He still had uh, a lot of people in that um, coaching team that were very good at their job. And you go back with the likes of Jeff Miller as well. Um, who basically <laughs> coached the team of the World Cup, but he brought he brought guys in that would challenge his way of thinking, and it was you know he probably did what he wanted to do in the end, but that's what you're going to need to do, and Eddie likes that as well. So I think Checker needs that probably in his coaching staff. Mm. I want I wonder this might be a bit controversial, but you know we had we had you and McKenzie, mm. who I think he lost the team, right? He went yes. he he, got, he went too far down the business path of the tactics and the analysis <coughs> and you know the business of rugby which coincidentally was something that, that McQueen copped a bit of stick about early on before he started to deliver. There was too much of the, the business of rugby as opposed to the team man. Uh, it, it's something between where, where Checker is now and where McKenzie was that is the, the right mix, surely, for the Australian team. Yeah. How you bring a bit of that analysis and that tactical nous to a passionate drive and a passionate leadership into the team. Um, because I, I think McKenzie, I used to see him at the Tars, was a tactically smart coach. Yeah. You'd see his team would go out with a plan not just to play to their strengths, but to pick the other team's weaknesses. Exactly, and I think um, that means we have to bring back Bob Dwyer. <laughs> <laughs> bring back Bob. Hey, you know, well, we've got well, something well, similar. Eddie well, Jones had a stroke and he's come back strong, and Bob Dwyer, he had a little, he had actually had a cardiac arrest, his heart stopped, and he came back. So they've had those health problems, and, and nothing can keep a good man down. So both Brownwick boys as well. Yeah. Hey? So they've got a lot of common in the way they approach it, but uh, there's got to be... Like, we've got so many coaches. I say bring back Les Kiss. Kiss him. Come back from Ireland. <laughs> what do you it's, think, uh, that, You know, that's quite an interesting scenario. You talk about Les Kiss coming back. Uh, the, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of talk around that... Uh, that the, uh, the island coach could well end up being uh, coach of the Highlanders at some particular stage and also taking over as uh, All Blacks coach. So uh, there's uh, been a bit of reportage in the Irish Times about this, uh, this, uh, this very fact that uh, they don't mind their, uh, their Kiwi coaches heading overseas, but as long as they come back, do a bit of a stint in Super Rugby, and then from there they can, uh, they, they can come in and take over the All Blacks, just like, uh, just like the, 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 the past two All Black coaches, uh, uh, Sir Graham and, uh, and, and Steve Hansen. 
It's the one thing that New Zealand, well, it's one of the things that New Zealand do well, is they allow their players to have sabbaticals and get away and earn their, you know, rugby's always been a game where you can go and play overseas and enjoy yourself and come back, play for Australia. You know, to try and stop Australians from doing that I think goes against the grain of rugby, I think, and you've got to let players do it. Might be a year or two, but they'll come back. They always do. And talking about the thing that the New Zealanders do well, and it's quite easy to pick a few things out, obviously. But um, that succession planning in coaches, they've got that right over the last few years. And when you look at the guys who are around Graham Henry, uh, Steve Hansen and Wayne Smith were both very, very experienced coaches in their own right. Now, you mentioned before, uh, is Checker being challenged enough? The likes of Steve Larkham, Nathan Gray, these guys, clearly fantastic rugby men, very talented guys. But are they experienced enough in coaching, in the coaching sense, to bring a bit more to the to the team? What do you think, Casho? It's uh, it, it's interesting, you know. Both these guys hold uh, hold jobs with uh, with the franchises, and uh, I did notice Rod Kafer on the Rugby Three Hundred and Sixty show here in Australia did say that it's time for uh, for some full time assistance. So yeah, it's an interesting scenario, but uh, you know. Perhaps, uh, perhaps they're still coming to terms with uh, with the with the uh, with the checker style. It, uh, it is it is very front footish. Uh, he keeps players on 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 the edge uh, for the majority of the time, and also gives people a, you know a bit of the uh, hypothetical sort of cuddle at, uh, at at sort of different times. I think he was uh, very much the making of guys like uh, Sakobi Kepu and uh, and and sort of Kane Douglas. He sort of shaped them into the players they are now. So, but it's. Uh, it's interesting you uh, you throw that scenario up. Uh, you know, can the Wallabies afford to have uh, three or four full-time coaches? I'd probably suggest not at this particular stage. I think uh, I think these guys still need to have their hands on players for the majority of the year, and that's that's what they're getting through the Super Rugby franchise involvements. Yeah, I'm I'm not so much saying that the coaches need to be full-time. I was saying are the coaches that are supporting him experienced enough as coaches? Both 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 Larkham and Graham and these other guys, they're quite early in their coaching careers. This isn't to denigrate them; it's just to say. They are quite early in their careers. They haven't got the miles, you know, uh, under the under the under the wheels that other people do. Um, and I think I read I read a, a Spiro Zavos piece <laughs> uh, uh, the other day that was that was to, quite frankly was just well off the mark. It basically said because England had more coaches, we got beaten. Well, that's just ridiculous. It's not <laughs> about the number of coaches you have. You could wheel out fourteen coaches. You need you need the right guys and the right mix. And to your point before, Juro, it's about saying. Are they challenging each other in the right way? Are Absolutely. they bringing the right things? And there would be no question right now, Michael Checker rules the roost, right? He, yeah. he rules the RU roost. Yes. Um, though that would be a little bit interesting now that if he doesn't quite bring the, bring the, the bacon home. Any more cliches I can throw in there? Roost, bacon? <laughs> I don't know. Cash cow's pre- the cash cow's pretty good at it. Throw something out there for us, mate. Um, before you throw it in there, can I just give a shout-out to Simon Cross, who's watching us on Newsstream, one of our loyal listeners from the UK. Uh, well done on the England series. And, Crossy, great to have you on board. So I've just sent you a tweet through. Um, you remember Crossy, don't you, Cash Cow? Is that Crossy or is that Cookie? Yeah. Well, no. I just can't remember. Yeah, I think you had a few, uh, what, were the, what were the drops of red over at the Cabana Bar? Anyway, that's how you got your nickname. 
Mark Kubanaba, Pinky Cash Cow, Cashman. <laughs> so um, I think we solved the Wallabies problems. Checker needs um, someone else in there to challenge him with ideas and get a bit more technical, come up with some tactics to win games, uh, not just um, fire and brimstone. That doesn't work for Australia, never has. It's all about being smart and playing football. That's what we need to do. So, um, no, not what we, I don't want to say we, we've got to be impartial. That's what Australia needs to do. Uh, let's, uh, in a couple of minutes we've got left, I want to make sure the show stays at half an hour. Is, um, is Super Rugby here? Um, let's um, briefly go back to what we talked about. New Zealand, basically it, um, but with the um, conference system, it means everyone gets a go. Oh, mate, don't get me started on the conference system again. I think we kicked off this year talking about Super Rugby, and I said I don't understand it then. I'm still struggling now. I'm not the brightest, you know, not the brightest tool in the shed. But well, I was going to say anything. But, but, mate, it is just all over the shop. You know, you've got, to, you've got to work out who's going where and what's going on. And I admit, you, know, you can work it out, but it doesn't lend itself to a good competition. It just doesn't. With this level of complexity, there's got to be something different than these different conferences playing different amounts of times at each other. Any competition where the Lions are on top this far into the season has got some problems, surely. Yeah. I See, I, I still want 10 teams in the competition playing home and away. Really tough uh, competition. Casho, uh, you've been to Japan and watched uh, the Sun Wolves, the team that you've been uh, following since their inception. Um, you obviously would have a different view being there and seeing how they soaked up all the atmosphere. Listen, to, 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 to take the game to the different parts of the world that we need to get into. Asia's, Asia's a fantastic market. Japan is a superb market uh, for the game. I, I, I think it's absolute uh, stupidity that the Sunwolves are actually aligned to the uh, to the South African conferences because, uh, because uh, up, A, they only play four games in Tokyo. And from, from, from what I saw at uh, Prince Chibu Stadium at, uh, in, uh, in Tokyo there, uh, listen, they, they would pack the joint out for every home game. Uh, they're playing four in Singapore. They're con- contractually obliged to the stadium there to actually play those games. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and they also need to get uh, the structure right in, uh, in Japanese rugby. You know, there's uh, the, uh, the top league, which is, uh, which is run by the companies. There's the test team. And then there's, uh, then there's the super rugby team. So... One's got to feed into the other, and uh, it's all got to feed through to uh, to the to the test team. So this is one of the big challenges ahead for uh, for Jamie Joseph. But uh, you know, it, my point of view and a discussion point up there amongst many people was was the fact that uh, the Sunwolves and uh, maybe the Jaguars should be attached to the Australian and New Zealand conferences because uh, that that would take that. Uh, that, that need for the Sunwolves to actually play four games in Singapore, which to me just doesn't make sense. You know, they uh, they attracted 5,000 people to the game, apparently gave away 3,000 tickets. So yeah. it's not working in uh, in Singapore. It's working in Japan from what, from what I saw there at, on, on the day. All right, so just quickly uh, before we go, what about Rugby Sevens? Uh, obviously, it's going to the Olympics. Uh, thoughts on Jared Hayne getting a start with Fiji? Uh, obviously, things didn't quite work out with the 49ers in NFL. Uh, got to start with the uh, Fijian side. Uh, it's not that they really needed him. They what? are the best team in the world. What a dead set, ludicrous decision. Mm. I mean, the well, guy, now he's out. He's out, yeah. as he was never going to make it. Mm. We're talking about the best sevens team in the world who have a phenomenal amount of athletes. He, he drops in late, gets on the field in, in uh, 
uh, in England, which takes him out of any contention to play for Australian Super Rugby teams in the Wallabies, which could have been an option for him. Mm. And, and then it misses out the squad and he's back. He'll be back in the Eels jersey before long. It just seemed a very, very weird thing to do. Uh, it's it, yeah. it, it, it's it's funny, Dirk, in that uh, in that numerous people have tried to have a crack at it, and uh, you know there's Liam Messon for the New Zealand side. There, there's uh, as you mentioned, Jared Hayne. There's uh, numerous other guys. Yeah, but uh, Liam Messon at least was a rugby player who wanted to make the sevens team. Entirely different to a bloke who just has, has given it, given the Fijian team you know one minute of his time and now committed himself to Fiji and rugby forever, and he's going to come back and never play for them again. The point, I, point I'm trying to make is is sevens is something that needs to be learned. It, it, it uh, you can't turn up on the day and, uh, and 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 become a sevens expert because it's become a specialised game so much, and all the guys well, in that, that squad are, uh, are are experienced uh, sevens professionals and uh, deserve to have the spot, uh, you know, in the in in that Rio Olympic team for the Wallabies. Well, I think you could could say the same thing like with Sonny Bill playing for the um, for the New Zealand team uh, didn't go too well either it's a different game I actually didn't like playing sevens it's too much running around it's just crazy running around don't mind calling it I was invited to play sevens Brad Cook over there the, the, seven, the sevens guys are some of the fittest athletes going around aren't yeah. they like the, the, the power yeah. and um, fitness that you need for sevens rugby. It's actually become a lot more precise too, hasn't yeah, it? You yeah. know the coaching. Yeah. So, um, so the home planes now are taking off probably to back to the eels. New dream, and they new, <laughs> yeah, dream. new dream. Uh, there's a few other things you can do too. All right, gentlemen, uh, that is it. Thanks for uh, uh, tuning in. Uh, thanks for tuning into live uh, feed to uh, Crossy in the UK. Good to see you. He's got one of our very rare Rugger Matrix USA hats from the original. It's now America. But, um, yeah, so he's in there and amongst it. So, uh, Mark Cashman, thanks for joining us uh, from the northern, well, I was going to say the northern beaches, not quite. You're sort of inland a bit. On the edges of the northern beaches, you could say, Bronx. So, uh, lovely French's Forest. French's Forest, there he is. Mark Cashman joining us now and still doing the programs for the Waratahs. Yeah, yes. Yeah, listen, uh, waiting to see on Friday night and Saturday night if there's uh, if there's another home game. So uh, let's uh, let's hope the Tars make it and uh, and just edge out those Brumbies. Yeah, of course, the Brumbies are falling over in a big way, um, helping the Tars out. Uh, ben Kimbo, good to see you again, mate. Thank you, mate. Absolute pleasure. And uh, I tell you what, um, the Tars have got to be up against it and making it into the, into the finals. I mean, the force are staggering. Uh, the Brumbies should win that one. Oh, Michael Foley, gone. Michael Foley, gone. Mm. As he uh, as he probably should have been a little bit before that too. Uh, and a couple of players getting a bit loose on the trip to South Africa. Yeah. That's not the first time that's happened. I think next week... I want Don't to get a, caught. I want to have a good talk about what we think's wrong in Australian rugby. I don't think we've got deep enough into it tonight. We talked uh, a lot about Checker. Yeah, yeah. This, we could always be overly optimistic, uh, pie in the sky sort of stuff, but uh, we're supposed to be one of the best teams in the world. Mm. And uh, it wasn't good enough, uh, that England series, no way. And it's not good enough to get trounced by those Kiwi teams at the weekend as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you. So let's uh, let's have a look. And then, uh, you know, with reason, you know, I want to talk, uh, I'm going to chat to some of the guys on Wednesday, actually, um, Bernard Foley and uh, Israel Folau, and have a chat to those guys and see how they're, what, they're, what their frame of mind's like. And I'll report back uh, to you next week. Beautiful. All right, just on half an hour here for Rugged Matrix International. 2-1-15, we are back. Great to see you, and we'll see you next week on the, the world's most quoted rugby podcast. <laughs>
Cheers.